Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Hell is a really big deal. And I would say to you that I think heaven is far better than our very best understanding of heaven. And hell is far worse than our very best understanding of hell. And so what we want to do today is is look at the Bible and see what it says. Because here's the thing. There's only two destinations when this life is over. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. There there is no other option. There's no in between. Uh, You either go to heaven or you go to hell. And so it's really important that we understand what God says about these things. And this really comes into um, us as we're talking about that we are his witnesses. And, And this subject of heaven and hell uh, really should help us to understand how we can talk to people about what happens after this life is over and why they need a savior. But even more than that, I think it really goes to the idea of what motivates us. You know, we all ought to be motivated just to do whatever's right because it's right. And that's true, we ought to be that way. But there's something about the reality of the fact that when people leave this life, they are either going to heaven or they're going to hell. That really provides an impetus to our witnessing. That provides extra motivation for our witnessing. So we wanna see what God has to say about these two destinations. And uh, just sort of give us a working definition to start with. Heaven is where people who have received Christ as Savior go when this life comes to an end. And hell is where people who have not received Christ as Savior go to when when their life in this world comes to an end. So let's go to our Bibles now and see uh, how God describes these things. And we're going to start off talking about what does the Bible say about heaven. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to... um, pick up one of the Bibles out from under the chairs. I'll give you the page numbers. And we are gonna be looking at a lot more verses uh, in our Bibles than we usually do, so I really encourage you to follow along. Turn to page 1349, Philippians chapter one. The Apostle Paul here is talking about being in jail. Uh, The fact that he's serving the Lord there and um, he's talking about his time there and how he feels about it. And so we're here in chapter one and verse 21. He's talking about the realities that he might be put to death here in jail. And he says this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. Now that's a pretty amazing statement. Let's read on. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And he goes on and says that, I believe the Lord is gonna have me stay at this point in time, I'm not going on. But two things that Paul says here. He says to die is gain and to depart and be with Christ is far better. You know, we find ourselves um, all the time when we're faced with 
situations where somebody might die, especially a fellow believer, a believer in Christ, is going to die. And sometimes we uh, respond as if that is the absolute worst thing that could happen to somebody. And I guess dying is sort of the ultimate thing, right? But the reality is, is that for a Christian, dying is not a bad thing. Now, now how you die, that could be very painful, uh, you know, uh, not a pretty sight, I understand that. But Paul, very clear here, he says to die is gain. Do you really believe today that um, heaven is better than this life? Do you? I think probably most of us, we ask that question, yeah, heaven is better than here, a lot better, to die is gain, and yet, we don't always live that way. But let's understand this, that heaven is so much better than earth that the Apostle Paul can say, not only is to die is gain, he says, but to leave here and to be with Christ is not just better, but what he say? It is far better, all right? So that's the first thing we learn about heaven. It is so much better than where we are now. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter five. Page 1329 in the Bible that's in the chairs. And in this passage of scripture, the Apostle Paul is talking about, uh, he's describing our, our bodies as like a tent that we live in and eventually these tents wear out and, and so we move out of the tent and, and, and leave and go to heaven and the tent gets folded up and put away. But I want you to see how he talks about uh, these issues. Verse six, 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse six. He says, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he says, not only are we confident that when we, we, our, our bodies die and we leave them that we go to be with the Lord, but we are well pleased to do so. You know, we as Christians, we really ought to live that way. We really ought to have this mindset about us uh, because that is not natural. That's not the way the world looks at things. But if you as a Christian and I as a Christian and us together as Christians, if we can look at life and death issues and, and see that death is not so much the end, it does bring it into our time here, but it's not the end, it's the beginning of something that is far, far better. That's what heaven is. What hope do we have? Hey, you know, I could almost say, hey, let's, anybody wanna go today, right? Well, let's don't get in a hurry to get there, we'll leave that to God. But uh, the reality is uh, we should really look forward to heaven because of the way God describes it. Uh, 1 John chapter three, the apostle John says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so when this life comes to an end and we see the Lord, it's going to change us. In fact, let me just throw out an idea here to you. The Bible is very clear that when, when this life ends or, or when Christ returns for us, whatever happens and we see him, we're gonna be changed. We're gonna change to be like him, uh, to be like him in, in character, to be like him in spirit, uh, 
Um, and so when we see him, that brings about the change. Well, let me suggest to you something, that you make it uh, one of your goals to be in the word of God that you might see him here, that you might see the Lord Jesus here, see him more clearly, understand him better, uh, understand his heart better. Because the same principle applies, just as when we die and go to heaven or he comes back for us and we see him, it's going to change us to be like him. Same thing now. When you see him the way he really is as a Christian, it changes you to be more like him. And, and this is one of the things that we're doing, right? We grow to what? To be like the Lord. All right, so that was kind of a sidetrack, but I want to encourage you to get to know the Lord because it's going to help you to grow to be like him. Let's turn in our Bibles now to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, page 1301 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. Romans 8. The Apostle Paul here has been talking about the Christian life coming into this and how it works and, and, and the, the, uh, the, the great life that's available to us when we live the way we're supposed to as Christians. And he talks about the way things are now compared to the way they should be. But in verse 22, let's start there. He says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So this is, he's talking about what's coming uh, after uh, this all comes to an end here and we are in heaven. But he says creation itself, creation. Have you noticed that things um, break? Anybody have anything break this week maybe? Stuff breaks, doesn't it? Stuff wears out, stuff rots, stuff rusts. Um, this world has all sorts of problems and it, the world labors under the curse of sin and, and, and we've never experienced it any other way so we don't understand that. But God, by his spirit, through the apostle Paul, reveals to us that even creation is like groaning and laboring under the weight of sin. And then he says the same thing that we are, those of us who have the Holy Spirit within us, that we also groan within ourselves. We don't understand what it's like not to have that weight of sin bearing down on us. We always have that weight of sin bearing down on us. And since we always have it, we don't have a clue what it's like not to have it. But that day, that day that, that you or I uh, leave this body and go to heaven to be with the Lord, or, or he comes for us, that day all of a sudden, we will for the first time ever experience that load of sin gone. And it is going to be, I think it will, and I, last week I talked about slang, and this is probably slang too from when I grew up, but I tell you what, when that weight of sin all of a sudden gone and we feel that freedom, it's gonna blow your mind. It's just even hard to understand that. Now let's go all the way to the back of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20, 21 almost the last couple pages of, of your Bible, page 1424. Now this passage of scripture here is talking about the future state when, when all is said and done, all the prophecies fulfilled and, and God sets up eternity uh, with us. 
but it really describes the condition now as well. So verse number, let's see, uh, 21, start in verse three. John says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And, and again, is God with us today? Is he with us? Yeah, he's with us, isn't he? We know, we believe, he lives within us. And, and uh, sometimes we, we have a, a great awareness of that and lots of times we don't. But once again, what I want you to understand is that this sin-cursed world and the fact that, that we have been born with the sin nature that we're still recovering from after we come to Christ and all these things, our awareness of God and his presence in our lives is so limited. But when we're in heaven, there will be no veil. There will be nothing that will prevent us from experiencing this, this great awareness of the presence of God in our lives. Okay, this is what it's saying here. And he continues, verse four, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And so all of the things that starting with the sin of Adam and Eve and the curse that was put on creation and all the, the tears that have been shed because of that, all the pain that has been experienced because of it, all the death that has happened, all of the sorrow, all of these things, gone, gone, not there anymore. God is taking them away. He said that stuff is gone forever. And I'm not looking for you to raise your hands today, but I want you to think, is there any pain that you experience in your life, whether it's physical or whether it is deep down in your soul, any pain that you experience today that you'd like to be gone? Well, it's gonna be gone. It's gonna be gone. And so the Lord is gonna take care of these things. And then he says in verse number five, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, to John, Right, for these words are true and faithful. You can absolutely count on this. This is what heaven is going to be like. And, and certainly we, we can go other places in the Bible, a little farther in these chapters and other places and see that heaven is a place of indescribable beauty. Boy, don't you think the creation is beautiful today? I mean, in our world, creation is beautiful. A sunset, a sunrise, the mountains, a flower, uh, a little baby, so many things are so beautiful. But what I want you to know is that the beauty that you're seeing right now is a beauty that has been affected by sin. What's it gonna be like when God takes away the sin and you can see things the way God originally intended them to be? So indescribable beauty, joy and excitement, clarity of thought and understanding. We won't know everything. There'll be plenty to learn still. But what we do see and understand, we won't always be confused and, and trying to figure things out. We'll have a much greater clarity there. And then the eternal purposes of God. Uh, I don't know what he's gonna have us be doing for all eternity, but it's not sitting in a boring church service, okay? I can promise you that. And it's not floating around on clouds with little wings and a harp, it's not that. Who knows, I, I, I heard a, a preacher one time saying that, that he thinks, and this is just his creative thinking, but he thinks, that God is going to put us on a mission to explore and settle the universe. Pretty amazing, isn't it? 
Who knows? But we're going to be involved in his work and it's going to be an awesome thing, a good thing. So heaven is an amazing place. But nobody, nobody deserves to go to heaven. No one. The Bible is so clear. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all failed to measure up to his righteous and holy standards. And because of that, we've sinned against God. We certainly don't deserve heaven. None of us deserve to go to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. To recognize that you've sinned against a holy God and that your sins have separated you from him. And that leaves your eternal destiny hell, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But Jesus loved you, died for your sins, rose again from the dead. And that when you believe that and place your trust in him, you receive Christ as Savior. That opens up the door for you to go to heaven. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so none of us deserve heaven. We must believe, we must receive Christ as Savior, or we will get what we deserve. And that is hell. So let's go to the Bible now and see what God tells us about hell. First thing it tells us, as we said, heaven is an amazing place. We see that hell is a horrific place, a terrible place. Uh, turn to the Gospel of Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 12, page 1199 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking here and he's been talking about Jesus was all the time having to deal with these religious leaders and the religious leaders were very concerned all the time what other people thought of them and that's why they acted the way they did, talked the way they did, did the things that they did because uh, they had very much this kind of a fear of man. You know, what do people think? And, and of course this spills over into the people. They're worried about what do the religious leaders think of them and if you know, they could be in trouble legally here or maybe even be put to death for something over here. But Jesus says this to them in verse four, chapter 12, verse four. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. Okay. Uh, how many of us would say that if we found ourselves in a situation where people were getting killed, we might be afraid of those who killed the body, right? Well, Jesus says here, don't be afraid of people who kill the body because once they kill the body, they can't do anything else to you. He continues, he says this, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And so apparently there's something worse than dying. Just as we understood that, that says, you know, death for the Christian, you know, we worry about death for the Christian, but we shouldn't because we, we got heaven. He says, boy, you know, if, if you don't know the Lord, death is only the beginning of your troubles. Okay? There's something much worse than death. And understand that this would be against your will, right? You have no say in this matter. 
if the Lord were to cast you into hell. Turn to Luke chapter 16. So hell is a horrific place. You don't want to go there. And it's something to be afraid of, Jesus tells us. Now, in Luke chapter 16 here, um, Bible scholars are divided over whether or not this story about uh, the rich man and Lazarus is a literal story or whether it's a parable uh, because it doesn't have all the signs of a parable. There's some things that are different, but that also does to me doesn't have the ring of an actual literal story. So my sense is that this is a story that Jesus told that is not telling a, a literal story, but it is communicating literal truth. Okay, so let's look at this passage and see what it, it says that will inform us some things about hell. Uh, chapter uh, 16, starting in verse 19, and that is page 1201. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. So a beggar, unhealthy, sitting outside of this man's house, his gate. And verse 21 says that Lazarus was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So Jesus is setting this story up of someone who in this life had everything you could possibly want and someone in this life who had a terrible existence. So let's continue. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now that's, that's a figure of speech. Abraham's bosom was how they would refer to heaven. Okay, you would go to be held by Abraham. So it was a, a symbolic statement uh, about going to heaven. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And it doesn't tell us what happened to him. Now, what do we know about Lazarus? We know that Lazarus had humbled himself before God, acknowledged his need of God and his forgiveness, and so he goes to heaven. And, and we know that because that's how we get to heaven, humbling ourselves before God and accepting his provision for us and his forgiveness. So he had done that. It says the rich man died as well. So what has happened here? Verse 23, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his and Abraham's bosom. But in being in torments in Hades. Now, this word Hades uh, is a word that talks about, in the Bible like this here in the New Testament, talks about the place where those who are not saved go when they die. Uh, we more commonly use the word hell. And in the Old English King James Version, this word was translated hell. But Hades is an accurate translation and it means the place of the dead and particularly here, the place of the dead who never trusted God, never, never received God's salvation. And so this tells us that this rich man had never humbled himself before God and acknowledged his need and received God's forgiveness because of it. And so how do, where does he find himself? Verse 23, and being in what? In torments, torment. Let's read on. Verse 24, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So we see that in hell there is physical torment. 
and it's described here as flame, okay? And anybody here ever, you know, been burned seriously ever? And I don't necessarily mean terribly seriously, but you've had burns that, you know, this, that burned and hurt for a long time afterwards? Uh, Lazarus, I mean, excuse me, the rich man says that he is being tormented in the flame. Uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, in verse 14 and 15, it talks about uh, those who don't know the Lord finding themselves in the lake of fire. And, and so it is this idea when we consider what hell means and think about the torment that's there, it seems to include a physical torment, that torment of being burned and never, it never stops. That, that pain, that suffering, that agony, that anguish. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Have you ever been sick, you know, maybe with a fever and maybe your stomach upset and you just, you know, you, you, chills and aches and you just, you know, you can't rest and, and it just doesn't let up that's nothing compared to what those who find themselves in hell experience. The torment forever and ever and ever. What a terrible thing to think about. I don't even like to think about it. But the Bible tells us, and if it tells us, uh, tells it to us, it's important that we know it and we understand it. Now, some people would say that uh, this idea of a fiery hell is, is just symbolic, you know? And they say that as if that makes it better. But I want you to think about something. If something is so terrible that it's hard to put into words and describe, so much so that you actually use a symbol to describe it? I mean, if we're talking about this, this pain of burning that goes on and on and on, if that is symbolic, what in the world is it symbolic of? It's symbolic of something every bit as bad or worse. So hell is a place of physical torment. Now, it's not only a place of physical torment, but it's also a place of torment for the soul. Let's, let's go back into our story here. So the rich man is there. He's experiencing this physical torment. Verse 25, so, so Lazarus is asked, can please have him come and just, you know, give me a little bit of water, a little bit of relief. Verse 25 says, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And so when you get to hell, one of the things that will be part of the torment is that you will realize there is no way out. This torment that you are experiencing now, you will experience the rest of today and tomorrow and the next and the next and on and on forever. And there is no way to cross that. There's no escape. That's a torment of soul, of knowing that I will never escape this terrible thing. Let's read on. Verse 27, the, the rich man speaks again. It says, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him 
to my father's house. Send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. He says, Lazarus, I mean, to the rich man, your brothers have the scriptures. Your brothers have the truth. They can respond to that. And even if one were to rise from the dead, this would be like talking about Jesus himself. If someone is not willing to humble themselves before God and to seek the truth from God, then it doesn't matter uh, what miracles would be done for them. Uh, they won't believe. And so uh, here we see more soul anguish that this rich man who's there in hell experiencing this torment doesn't want his family to come here. Please tell some. But the reality is he can't warn them. He can't warn them. And so let me just, just share a thought with you here. Um, that anybody who has died, I can guarantee you, I can tell you what they would tell you if they could. They would tell you to receive Christ as your savior. Don't play games with it. Receive Christ as your Savior. The people who have died and gone to heaven because they received Christ as Savior, they, they would tell you, this is so amazing to be here with God in heaven. It's so awesome. I want you to be here. Receive Christ as Savior. And those who had not received Christ but have ended up in hell, they are saying to you, this place is so terrible. Please do not come here. Please receive Christ as Savior. And so whoever has died and gone on, I can guarantee you they want you to receive Christ as Savior. And so what we see here is that this, this unsaved man is totally cut off from God forever. And I think we could go some other places in Scripture, and for time's sake we won't, but uh, to see that when we, if we make it to hell, the reality is, is that we will probably, for the first time ever in our existence, have no awareness of the presence of God. And, and I don't, you know, here we are in the sin-cursed world, we aren't aware of his presence, but he is here. But I really think that in hell, God is going to mask his presence from those who are there. And that will be an eternity of no hope, of hopelessness. Now, just as we said, nobody deserves heaven, everybody deserves hell. Everybody deserves hell. The same statement, right? Uh, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Uh, none of us have earned hell. The only way to escape hell is to receive Christ as Savior. Sound like I've said that before today? The only way to escape hell is to receive Christ as Savior. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And actually, you know what? For time's sake, I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm going to move on here. So everyone is headed for hell unless they've accepted Christ as Savior. Now, so we've seen that heaven, you know, is an amazing place. We want to go. Hell is a terrible place. We don't want to go. But for us as Christians, there's something else we need to think about, and that's that 
that God has given us the responsibility. God has given us the responsibility to help people escape hell by sharing the gospel with them, helping them to receive Christ as Savior. Uh, consider what the scripture says, the Apostle Paul talking about our role with people. Second Corinthians chapter five, he says that Jesus Christ has given us, us the believers, the ministry of reconciliation. And by that he means reconciling sinners to God by sharing the gospel with them that they might be saved. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is our responsibility. This is what God has given us to do. People will not get saved and make it to heaven. They will be in hell if we are not faithful in doing our responsibilities. Now, think about this. What has God given us to share with them? The gospel, right? Gospel meaning good news. We have good news to share with them. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And it is. We die and then, worse than that, we go to hell. That's what sin will pay. He says this, but the gift of God, what God wants to give us is eternal life through Jesus Christ as Lord. Is that a good message? Is that good news? Well, let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't we share the good news? Why wouldn't we share it? Is it because that, that we are too worried? You know, if I try to talk to somebody about this, they might not like me, they might be mean to me, they might reject me, whatever, and I don't wanna go through that. And, and if that's the case, then what you're saying is, is your feeling of comfort is more important than the fact that that other person will spend eternity in hell. Think about that. You know, we need to start asking ourselves, what kind of people do we wanna be? What kind of people do we want to be? If your neighbor, someone in your neighborhood, you saw, and you knew them, let's say you knew them well, and you saw that their house was on fire, and it's in the middle of the night, but you can see it's burning, would you say, oh man, I don't want to wake them up, they might get mad at me, you know, they'd be upset because I woke them. Does that make sense? Or would you say, you know what, the house is on fire and so I'm gonna stand outside and just act like such a nice person. I'm gonna be such a nice person in front of them and, and hopefully they'll notice that and they'll come out. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, does it? What do you gotta do? You gotta try to call them. You gotta try to, to knock on their door, maybe break a window, break in and yell or even help. That's the kind of people we need to be with the unsaved world around us. We need to be willing to put ourselves at risk that they might know the gospel, that they might escape hell, and they might have heaven. Now, I know that some of you struggle, maybe a lot of you struggle again with, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer their questions. I don't know how to explain things. Remember last week, what did we say? We saw the, the story of the blind man, the man had been born blind, that Jesus healed. What did he say? One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He had something to say. He had his own experiences to share. But more than that, let me say this to you. Uh, we can help you with what you don't know. 
Life Source U. We have a Life Source U. And that, that just started this last Wednesday night. There's still plenty of time for you to jump in. But we have the class answering hard questions. Uh, how to defend your faith. There's seven more weeks of that class. Come on out. Be a part of that. Learn some things that'll help you be confident in your faith and maybe help you to be able to answer questions and explain things. And then starting in January, another session, Evangelism for the Tongue Tide, okay? And we're gonna help you walk through this and know how to share your faith and, and hope you'll have confidence to do it. So here's the deal. We can overcome your lack of knowledge, but we cannot overcome your lack of willingness. And as a Christian, shouldn't you be willing to do whatever it takes to be able to share the good news with the people that God brings into your life? We need to decide what kind of people we're gonna be. What kind of Christians we're gonna be. Are we gonna be people who come and worship and we say we surrender to the Lord and then we're learning and we're, we're trying to grow to be like the Lord, but that's it, we're done? Man, that, that is such a perversion of Christianity. Biblical Christianity always includes the fact that we are aware and doing something about telling others about the Lord. You with me on that? Are we with the Lord on that? Let me encourage you. I am, I am excited about what I think God is going to do here, what he's going to do in your life and my life as we begin witnessing faithfully for him. Uh, let's become faithful witnesses for Christ. Are you with me? All right, well, let's, let's surrender ourselves to the Lord now to continue to, to learn, to, to become faithful and effective witnesses for Christ. Father, thank you so much for your word and that you tell us these truths. Lord, these are hard truths. I don't like these truths about hell. I just assume not think about it, but you have told us about it. You've told us it's true. Oh, Father, I pray that we will yield ourselves to you and you'd give us a compassion for those who don't know you. Give us a joy for heaven that is ours. Give us an excitement about it that we can share with others. And Lord, burden our hearts and break our hearts for those who don't know you and who are on their way to an eternity in hell. Oh, Father, work in our lives that we might become faithful and effective witnesses for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.